I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In this podcast, we chat about the loss against Blackburn. What's next for Borough? Look ahead to Wigan with Barry from the PWU Likes podcast and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is all your Borough Match Day chatter in a pod. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny Dinner and Tom. We are the Borough Podcast that gives you all of your Borough match day chatter in a podcast. And a defeat to Blackburn Rovers. Borough a third bottom of the championship table with 13 points from a possible 42. Guys, um, there's no happy place today. It's a miserable place. Uh, Dinner, how are you feeling about Borough right now? Just a bit disinterested, to be honest. And... I mean, I'd love to start this podcast on a positive note, but that's just how I'm feeling, disinterested. And I think apathy is the worst feeling that you can have as a fan because we can have a whole range of emotions watching a football match and following a football team from complete and utter elation to devastation and anger. But to feel nothing and to feel quite hollow and empty is quite possibly the worst feeling. And I know that sounds really dramatic, hollow and empty, but... I woke up yesterday and the last place that wanted to be was the Riverside. And at points last season from November onwards, that was the first place and the only place I wanted to be. And just massively disinterested and disconnected from from what we're seeing. And that is just, I've said it so many times in this podcast, but just a massive shame how the season has plateaued the way that it has. Um, And people say, you know, there's still a lot to play for and I completely agree. But the way that Borough are playing at the moment we're going the wrong way down a one-way street and it's uh, it's pretty bleak. Tom, any improvement on bleak and apathy? <sighs> to be honest, I think the way Dan has just summed it up there is like exactly the same way I'm feeling. I think yesterday, 
uh, woke up knowing that I was off to sell fanzines before the game. So I thought, I'll go to base camp, I'll check out the Borough Shirt Museum exhibit, which was pretty decent. Um, went over to the ground, was selling fanzines. I was wearing my um, uh, Borough Breakdown shirt, so a few people coming up and saying they uh, love the podcast and stuff, which was, was great to hear. And then it got to about 10 to 3. I was like, I have to go in now. Like, that's that's why I'm here. Um don't get me wrong, Tommy, I think, I Tommy your tea's ready. Are we in? <laughs> don't get me wrong, I think during the game I was still kind of like engaged with it and everything. I think as soon as the, the whistle goes, that's always gonna happen with football. But yeah, I think just really kind of deflated and disinterested at the moment. I mean, I saw uh, Scott Wilson's article this morning, uh, where it's saying Borough sleepwalking up towards relegation. Really good article if if anyone's not read it to to go and read it. But um, no, that, that mentioned the the league table, and now there's like nearly a third of the season gone. And I just realised like I've not even looked at the league table yet because I don't want to. And I'm just thinking, like, oh, it's still too early, still too early. And now it's getting to the point where it's nearly a third of the season. As, as Dana said, there's still plenty to play for, but it doesn't feel like it should be, we, sh- we should be that far in, and like in this position. It's just beyond belief, uh, really, considering where we thought we were going to be at the, uh, at the start of the season. Yeah, I, I echo both your thoughts as well. And the, the part of, <clears throat> having a third of the season near enough there and being in the position that we're in is, is a little bit worrying. But when we look at the sides, it's like we're not far away and there's inches in football between success and failure. And we've just hit failure most of the time this season. And it can have a, a huge domino effect on a few things of the players' confidence, the fans' confidence on the on the manager and the players, and also the board as well, which we've seen quite a lot of that on social media and I echo it's like this I want a bit of a vision from from the club now in terms of where we're going next in terms of management and we'll come to that a little bit later on around who we what we want the club to do and where we want it to be but at this moment in time it was really deflating yesterday after about 15 minutes I was like well this I should just go home because we're not going to come back and we nearly did but I was like we're not going to come back and it was just a bit frustrating leaving the ground. There's the acceptance there. There's the acceptance there, isn't there? Exactly what you've just said there of, yeah, we're not going, we're not getting back in at this game, which is just, it, it sapped out all of the the belief. Um, you know, mm. the, the team don't look like they believe in themselves. So how can the fans believe in the team? Yeah, well, that's it. Like, and it was just so frustrating to like, to see that uh, after like 15, 20 minutes. And I looked at Alice and then I was like, look, I'll take you to Dunham and B&Q afterwards. You know, we'll go and get some house stuff and I'll make it up to you that one. I'm sorry for taking you in the match today. Um, <laughs> and actually, after as well, it was really frustrating. I don't like doing that on a, on a Saturday night when you've got absolutely panned. Um, but let's chat about, <laughs> let's chat about Rovers um, because own goal from Lenahan, you know, former Blackburn captain, giving them the leads and a, a strike from Sam Gallagher was an absolute worldy. Um, and what more nearly brought brought us back, you know, one goal before the break, and then Akpon missed from a yard out. We missed a big chance at the end, and it was just a, a very deflating performance. But then, how have you how would you assess that entire performance against Blackburn? Well, it was just far too easy for them to <clears throat> to attack us. To be honest, I mean, 
they exploited one of our main weaknesses, which is balls in behind. And I mean, as much as I love Anthony Dykesteel, he had an absolute shocker yesterday. He positionally was so far away from Diaz, who was constantly making those runs from outside to in. And they were plucking balls from the sky, both him and, and Gallagher. And I was jealous, actually, because we did it in the second half, or tried to do it anyway, where Dale Fry was punting long balls forward. But they were so inaccurate. I mean, I don't know what like what Dale Fry thought he was doing with one of them where he just drilled it straight out of play for a goal kick. And I think we've heard a few things from ex-managers saying that Dale Fry is a good ball player and defender. He isn't. He's he's not. He can't pass the ball up from the back. He's just not. Like we saw that in the second half. Um and even if that pass was to have been accurate, we have players that just have really poor touches that break the attacks down. There was a piece of play in the second half I think or it might be in the first I can't remember they all merged together where it was I think it was on that it was on one of the flanks where basically all that was needed was a ball into space and it was Crooks that played the pass and it was again behind the play that it was intended to be to and he did that so many times against uh, Millwall it just continued against Blackburn and yeah I mean just nothing pedestrian, predictable. There's no unpredictability in this team. It's very much always in front of opposition. It was in front of Blackburn every time and it was just so easy for them to mop up. And and I, I really liked their midfield of Morton and Wharton. Um, I thought technically very good. Um, able to take the ball in the half turn, which is something that Borough don't have. Often you saw Crooks dropping into a deep house and midfield position and then Housen would spring forward um, to kind of have that link and, and progress the play a little bit quicker. But when you're having Crooks being the player to take the ball on the half turn, he struggled to trap the ball this season, never mind trap it and then turn and go. It was just breaking down at every opportunity. And yes, the second half was better. Jones definitely gave us something different, some drive, some energy and outlet. But again, much like Cardiff, um, it's just not not enough when you're having to be better in the second half than a incredibly poor first half. You're giving yourself a, a bit of a mountain to climb, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think just on your first point around Dyke Steele, um, from every time I watch him now, I just think you're not a right back. Um, you're definitely more of a He's not a right player. wing back. Yeah, he's not a right wing back. Um, I'm not a right back here, I don't think. He just, I think he looks more confident in that half space, more central space, and trying to bring agree. the ball forward. Do you not agree? I, no. I, I said this in good. our Telegram chat. I yeah. think the thing with Dyke Steele, I love him, but when he's pressed, he's so vulnerable and he doesn't have the passing ability. I know you've said so many times, play him in a, that sort of holding midfield position. He doesn't have the passing ability. Mm. I think we need somebody that's able to take the ball in the half turn and release it, much like what you saw with Wharton and Morton yesterday. Um, that's a fantastic duo name, isn't it? Wharton, well, then, then it just reminds me of like the Muppets, like, you know, <laughs> the uh, Muppets Christmas Carol, Marley and Marley. <laughs> Actually, Love does. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Go on. Well, my opinion was like, if you play like a maybe a single or a double pivot, you've got someone who can kind of intercept the ball, which I think he's good at, and then tackle through and try and like, not he's a bit more of like a recovery defensive midfielder rather than someone who's going to play a half turn and then try and bring the ball forward. You can maybe use your two eights for that. But I think with with Dykesty, I think he's more of like a a six, just a six, a six and a crab is, is probably the best <laughs> way. You just want a player across the, the, the back three or back four and just stop the people coming through I think that's probably where he'd flourish but I just don't like him on that on that wing side of things I just don't think it, it suits him that's why I think more central is probably the way 
he should be in position that well you can see it in his right centre back role really when he's when he's played that role. I feel like he, he suits it to a T. So a centre for a midfield role could probably suit him a little bit more. It would have to be a six, not a ball progressing one, which we don't really have anywhere, but we do need. So I get your point. Yeah. Um Tom on the defeat. Do you think it was should have been a defeat? Do you think it was a correct result? Because we had some big chances yesterday. No, I mean, the result's lying. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, I think it was definitely the correct result because we just, you know, it, it's the same as what we've seen against Cardiff this season, against QPR this season. We just leave ourselves with too much to do. And, you know, that, that first 15 minutes was absolutely shocking from us. Uh, so it's a pretty much allow those goals. I mean, the first goal was absolutely ridiculous defending and not much you could do around the the second after he hit it, hit it, whether or not you could do anything about it before, and don't know. But um, it we just left it, uh, ourselves with too much to do. I do think we had the chances in the second half where we could have got back into it, and you know if we got one, I think we were getting another one after that. Because I don't think I don't think Blackburn actually did that much in the second half, at least not that I can remember. But um, you know, we we had uh, you know absolute bullet header from from Lenahan, which went wide. Fry hitting an absolute laser beam into the south stands, like it would have been very very dangerous <laughs> to get behind. Um, <clears throat> you know, Akpom missing from from a yard out. I don't know how that stayed out. Like we, we had our chances second half. Uh, it's just we we didn't take them, but I still think if if we did get one, we were getting another one. And at, at that point, I don't think Blackburn were were offering much going forwards. But it, we shot ourselves in the foot in the the first twenty minutes, and it's just a a story that we've seen too many times this season that keeps repeating itself. We are our own downfall in a lot of our losses, and we were our own downfall in the first goal, Dana. Um, comical oh, defending again, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, that's the fourth set-piece goal we've conceded this season, which, I mean, when I looked at that, it was a bit of a surprise because it feels like we've conceded more, but that figure will get worse. But yeah, I mean, the ball is played short from the corner and it, it feels like when you watch the goal back, the Borough just aren't anticipating that. They're not switched on and it's that last second reaction to Hayden Hackney trying to close them down. But it's it's just set for Wharton to put the ball into the box. And I mean, they have an attacking quartet of, of Phillips, Wharton, Gallagher and Hyam. They split. Wharton goes near post, Phillips takes up a central position, Gallagher sticks around that penalty spot and then Hyam peels off to the back post. And I think what, Borough players do in that situation is they bunch up to that near post probably because they think that Wharton's going to hit the first man because that's all Borough players do so they probably expect another (laughs) team to do the exact same as them but it doesn't it's a fantastic ball from Wharton um, put into the right area and if you watch McNair he just he watches the ball the whole time there's not one point where he looks over his shoulder for the run that Hyam has made off the back of him and the gap gets bigger because McNair pushes forward he advances and he tries to attack the ball and then all of a sudden that gap is just widened completely Hyam peels off cushions a nice header back towards uh, the goal and then Lenahan of course it has to be him um puts the ball into his own net but it's just so poor again how you can have a situation where there's a man free like Honestly, look at Hyam. It's unbelievable how free he is in that position. That's schoolboy defending, and it keeps happening time and time again. The disconnect and the, the disorganisation between that back line is 
alarming. And the only team in the championship that I can think has that has a even worse defence than ours is Hull. They also look at sixes and sevens. And with Borough, I mean, talking about conceding the first goal, 45% of our goals have been conceded in the opening 20 minutes. And we've conceded the first goal in eight of our 14 games this season. It has to stop, you know, because we've spoken about that belief. There's no belief in the team to get back into it. And we keep conceding the first goal and it gives us so much to do. That goal, pathetic. Yeah, it is. And, and the second goal, to be honest, is an absolute worldie. I think we were going to dissect it. And when the long ball comes over to, to Gallagher, his touch to get it past the, to bring it around again. Um, and so he can set himself for the shot is absolutely sublime. It's it's beautiful. And then the strike's fantastic as well. And yes, there's three players standing off. But by the time they actually clock that, he's going to have a shot from about 30 yards it's already in the back of their net anyway. So I think, again, it's like defending where you can be frustrated with, but I just think sometimes that the touch and the way he's turned and the way he's hit top bins is probably more remarkable than the actual defending itself. But in terms of... He like, always or, plays a blinder yeah. against yeah. us. I think that's the third game in a row he scored against, isn't it? Because he scored a worldie against us at the Riverside last season, then scored at mm. um, Ewood Park. Now he's scored again at the Riverside. I'm so sick of Sam Gallagher. I can't deal with, like, stop. He's becoming the new Jonathan Stead, isn't he? Uh, mm. I mean, he always just scores against us. I mean, there should be a list of like players where like who like scores the most against Borough. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that there'll be a, there'll be a list somewhere. I said earlier on our group chat, you know for a fact if we were ever, ever signing, he was getting Jason Yule syndrome and never scoring again. <laughs> yeah. Always has a blinder against us, but he would never score for us if we signed him. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely spot on, to be fair. like I don't think uh, any Borough player that's actually done that has, has went on to score goals for us. Who was the other one? Was it Jordan, Jordan Rhodes has done it? And then also, I'm trying to think of someone else who we've signed and this didn't score for us. Gestead, oh, Gestead was the big can, one. Can, honestly, Gestead. Pick. Yeah. There's a collection well, of strikers that have scored loads against us and never for us. There are men in podcasts just us trying to think of names that have scored loads <laughs> for us and signed. Um, but Bora <laughs> did score yesterday, and I thought it was actually quite a good goal, to be honest. Um, so, in terms of how the goal set, sets up, you know, Housen actually does recover the ball and then he gives the ball to um, Crooks. Crooks, instead of doing a half turn, he does like a 360 degree turn and then decides to go forward with the ball but I decided to crop that out and but Housen did a really good uh, good runway he starts to look into the advance in the middle third so by the time Crooks has been dilly- doing the more message he actually finds um, finds Housen to to be in a more advancing role but the two people there's, there's two people um, that connect with Housen really well here it's Ryan Giles and Duncan Watmore and what Duncan Watmore does really well here is that he points out Housen and goes How-, he just, just goes because give the ball to Housen, and I'm just going to make this run. And as he makes it run forward through, um, you look at the the right back of of Britain, and he actually looks towards Giles. And the beauty of it is, is that as he's looked towards Giles, what Moss made is dart and run through uh, between the centre back and the right back, and he's able to get through, and then just does the outside foot touch, and then slots it in the bottom corner. But in terms of the movement and the goal itself. It's really, really good. Um, and I know I like Borough were poor yesterday, but there is a little glimpse in Borough's play that is actually quite solid. So when Borough do get the ball with, with Housen, he threads that ball through to, to Watmore really well. And then we just come in and then slot the ball in the back of the net. But yeah, looking at Giles, keeping wide was really key uh, to keep the distraction on Britain. 
and then also for, for what more as well to try and get in between the, the right back and the centre back as well and, and put the ball away. It was a good goal in all accounts of Borah. I know that it's going to be overshadowed in, in terms of the performance, but in that terms of player, that was actually good football. The first time we've seen a striker getting behind really and try and cause Blackburn some problems in that first half. And it was a difficult um difficult moment for us in uh in terms of the, the second well the second or third chances that we had. Um but overall that was a decent goal. But we did make a tweak in the in the second half, Tom. You know, we moved to a back four. It was like it felt to me it was like more of like a four one two one two, like a diamond. Um but I don't know Leo came up to it was more of a four four two. Um but why do you think Borough moved to to four at the back in the second half? And do you think uh-huh. it worked? I thought it was Leo saying it was a four-three-three. That just adds a, an, an extra layer of confusion because I, <laughs> I mean I, I didn't even realise it until probably about five or ten minutes of playing that formation. I was like, hey, why is McNair kind of like being pulled into midfield now? But it, it weirdly did seem to to work better. Uh, just kind of having that duo of uh, Fry and Lenahan at the back. Um, you know, McNair was kind of doing his thing in midfield. I, I don't know if it's just because the floor of the game was. Uh, going that way anyway, that we were uh, having more of the ball. I mean, Blackburn's manager is probably going to come out and say now that we just wanted to have more of the ball because we knew we weren't going to do anything. But um, <clears throat> it did seem to to work a little bit better. Um, and I think, um, judging from what, what Leo has said kind of in the, the post-match where he said he'd like to kind of put his own stamp on the formation and um, and work on a different one, but we just don't have the time in between games from like playing three games a week. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if if like over time we do kind of adopt to, to that type of um, uh, tactical uh, formation if uh, if we were to bring in a manager who preferred that. Um, I know like a lot of the managers that have been talked about um, do kind of fit the the five three two slash three five two formation, but there are managers on that list who would play four three three, and I think that little bit of um, a little bit of the game yesterday probably just gives us a bit more confidence that that could possibly be done because I think. We spoke about it for the last couple of seasons where we just didn't look confident in a four. Uh, it needed to be uh, a five at the back a, a lot of the time to suit the players that we have. I still think to suit the players that we have, that will possibly still be the case. I think especially when Makla comes back, um, we've been told from you know uh, West Brom and Derby fans that he is better in a three, but... It, it, it does look promising that at least four at the back is is something that we can do if we if we need to sit, uh, switch to that during a game. Yeah, and we, I think with the the four yesterday, I think when we did switch to it, it was like more of a diamond. And when we we're looking at um, Blackburn's play yesterday, I think they're in a three four one two. It was the Borough was trying to get that extra man in midfield. So I think what Blackburn were doing really well in that first half is they're occupying the half space really well. They made it really compact and difficult for Borough to break down. And Borough eventually had to try and to play through with them and try and get an extra man in midfield to try and get a foothold because for me they were just getting overrun time and time again. And um, your your favorite uh, your favorite player, then uh, Lewis Travis, um, I thought was excellent yesterday. And he, he, just, <laughs> he kind of made things really difficult for us. And then Martin and what's his name? We got a camera. Is then Martin. Martin and Martin. There's two Martins, is that Adam? Yeah. and Scott. Yeah. Yeah, I was getting mixed up, but yeah, like, like, those three. They just, need, they just needed like the. They just need to be overrun a little bit because they're occupying that space so well. 
and Borough just weren't quick enough getting the ball wide and it was just played at the Blackburn's hands time and time again and by the time Blackburn got the ball we were already stretched and they were able to break us down but Dan, do you think we could move away from the from the three or do you think yeah, we're going to stick with, with the, the the three or the, or the four or whatever I don't know do we just stick with three or three we've got four <laughs> um, I think what Leo said after the game he laid down the foundations and was open to the possibility of changing from a three-five-two. I mean, I think game state matters in that Blackburn match. And I mean, they were trying to see out the game where they? they were trying to maybe shut up shop a little bit and restrict us chances, which didn't really work because we did have them. But still, I think it might be completely different and it might perform completely differently at the beginning of a game and that's what I'm probably interested in and intrigued in whether or not we will perform just as good as we did with that four at the beginning of a game say for example if we go into the Wigger game playing it then we did switching it mid-game against Blackburn because yeah you're always going to get those situations aren't you where a team is wanting to to restrict the chances and maybe show up shop a little bit and um, I think that's important the context of the game but yeah um I don't know. I think on paper, it could work. But I, I still like the three-five-two going forward. It's just that right now, obviously, it's not performing particularly well. Um, but you could have a four-three-three. You could have a four-four-two. Said on tees afterwards, you know, four-three-three. Those high wingers in Giles and Jones having Bono Dyke still as the the fullbacks. But defensively, in terms of centre backs. Matt Clark suits a three. We've, as Tom said, we've heard that from West Brom and Derby fans. Um, I think question marks over where does McNair play? Fry, I think Fry would suit a four at the back, but yeah, the left hand side I think is uh, is interesting. Mm. Yeah, to be fair, if we were to play back four, I'd, I'd actually have Lenahan and Clark as my two centre halves. I'd drop Fry. Would you? Unpopular Maybe. opinion, Ooh, but I would. Bold shout. Um, yeah, I think. Clark could be more of your ball playing centre half, and Lenahan can be your kick and hoofer. As if you want to play a really old fashioned back four, that would probably be you two. Um, yeah, it would. But anyway, we're that in the bottom old. three. Well, what are you going to do? It's my podcast. Anyway, we're come in at, the bottom three. Anyway, we're in the bottom three. But he is both concerned with like the position we find ourselves in. And I think just like I, I had a stat um, the other day around. Borough have only been beaten by uh, one or more goal um, once, and it was against Millwall. And the rest, we've just been, you know, it's been one goal in it uh, for most games. So we haven't really been getting turned over, but we are in the bottom three. And do you think it's a bit concerning now that we're nearly a third of the season through, Tom? Uh, I mean, I wasn't concerned until this morning. So cheers, Scott Wilson. But. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I am. I am a little bit. I think it's uh, it, it's going to be, you know, wh- whoever does come in as manager now needs to really hit the ground running. They've got a job on to motivate the players, uh, pick them up. Because I mean, judging by the way they look at the moment, God knows what's happened in this first, you know, f- 13, 14 games of the season um, under the uh, the two different kind of management slash coaching teams. Um, I, I would say mainly under the first one. Um, they've, they've got a job to to pick the players up, and then they also need to. 
hopefully the the foundations are already there in terms of the tactics and we can get someone like a Rob Edwards in who can you know play that same formation and just kind of work on on drilling them on the uh, on the training ground a little bit better uh, especially defensively but I think the the first thing they're going to do is, like I say is, is pick the players up Dana? I think you have to be concerned based on the performances. I know you said there that we haven't been turned over in terms of a scoreline, but I certainly think we've been turned over in terms of performances. Um, We just don't look like a team, to be honest. I know that's a very basic thing to say, but the communication, the organisation, it's not there. And yes, there, there are a lot of points to play for, but even the basics of this team are just really poor and... If it wasn't for Hull, I would probably put Borough down as the worst performing team in the league um, at this present time. I know Bristol City are kind of in there. Their form has kind of plunged, but we're just we're just so poor. And I I take your point about it. It doesn't feel like we're a million miles away, but at the same time, I think a lot of what that is comes down to confidence and we just don't look like a team that can bring that confidence. If Leo can't pick them up, then they're not going to be able to pick themselves up. So it has to come from within and I can't really see that happening. And we've got a Wigan next who, you know, away from home, we've picked up one point away from home this season, one point. Mm. I mean, stretch that back to last season. We haven't won away from home since beating Peterborough at the beginning of April. It's difficult to see where Borough's form really turns. And yeah, as Thomas said, the next managerial appointment is a big one, a really, really big one to pick up the fans, pick up the players as well. Yeah, when I was speaking to, to Barry from Progress with you and your Unity podcast, the, the Lex podcast, and he did let me know a few times that uh, it's one point out of a uh, out, out of the open away game. So I was like, well, that's nailed on for more to beat, you know, isn't it? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but let's let's go to the praise and place because the praise and place is the place where to give praise to a player, coaching staff, Dana's hairdresser, Thomas Matthews, anything <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> Who's in your prison place this week, Tom Green? Well, I'm a, I mean, uh, <laughs> um, shout, shout out to Anita. <laughs> I think uh, for me, it would be Housen and Stefan yesterday. Um, and to be honest, I'm, I'm surprised in myself that I put Housen in it because, you know, based on a lot of performances this season, I wouldn't have expected him to be one of my prison place nominations. But he just seemed to find another gear yesterday. He seemed like the only player who was even kind of slightly angry about the position that we're in because he was all over the place. Um, you know, I've, I've not seen that kind of like level of aggression from him. There was a little bit in front of the um, the East Stand where he booted the ball away, like him and Crooks. It hit were. me that. Did it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, no, no I'm not going to start a room with Dana, but I think he was aiming at you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. From our comments last week, they doesn't lead from my example, yeah, probably. <laughs> There's another, another bit towards the... Uh, sorry, Joe, what were you going to say? I was going to say, it's that Bora van den Malt, and we'll absolutely boat... Uh, boat uh... <laughs> um, there was another bit towards the end of the game where I think... Uh, was this... It might have been the one where McNair got into a, like the world's worst pushing match as well, but... Um... <laughs> 
Yeah, we, we, that, yeah. we got a free kick at the right-hand side of the box and, like, Housen and Crooks just instantly jumped on the Blackburn player who was trying to hold the play up and, like, ripped the ball from him on the ground. Like, something you'd see in the UFC, only it was 2-on-1. It was, uh, you know, I, I mean, we, we were talking about, like, the, the leadership and stuff um, last week and, you know, Housen being more quieter and leading from example and not being much of a shouter. It just seems like the role was reversed yesterday and he was like, right, I'm just going to be the most aggressive player anyone's ever seen. He's possibly been working with Gatamal, but um, no, it was really good to watch. And um, Stefan, uh, you know, could have been 5 nil by halftime if it, if it wasn't for him. Um, he made some, some great saves yesterday. And um, the one second half where he had to like go a full stretch and pretty much claw the ball away from, uh, whichever Blackburn player it was at the time, that was that was brilliant Clary for me. Was, yeah, like brave putting putting himself in the way of that and just being able to kind of get there, cover that ball and like just claw it clear. That was uh, that was brilliant to watch. Turner, who gets your place in the present place? Well, aside from my hairdresser Penny, um, I, I do, <laughs> I do echo uh, what Tom just said there about Stefan. I think it's really important to note that because he kept the score down, and I think his goalkeeping probably deserved Borough to get something out of the game. And I know you, on the flip side, you could say that Thomas Kaminsky's goalkeeping deserved three points for for Blackburn, but I think Stefan was was good, and I actually think he's improved since Chris Wilder's left. Whether or not that sweeper keeper role has sort of lessened in importance a little bit and they've gone back to basics as we mentioned last week I think he's been good since Chris Wilder's left and he was he made some really really big saves and it's just Mm. such a shame that Borough couldn't get that equaliser because he was the one that was keeping Borough in that game and yeah he was he was good and also shout out to Jones as well because when he came on I think Borough's performance changed and we went up a gear and he was the one that was allowing Borough to have that outlet and we seemed to have better combinations on that right-hand side. So he definitely gave us a new lease of life in that second half, but we go back to it. We didn't win the game and ultimately we we, we fell short, which was a shame. But yeah, you have to give credit where it's due. And I thought Jones did change our performance in that second half. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, my my p- p- praise and place nomination. I couldn't say praise and place. I was like, I was really difficult. Uh, I was going to go Zach Stefan as well. Uh, yeah, I thought Stefan was really good yesterday, and I mean, he absolutely has no chance on either of the goals. But yeah, and I also found that Borough fans really hate a goalkeeper from passing out from the back as well. Uh, yeah, it just it just uh, every time he touched the ball, it was like, buddy, kick it anywhere, man. <laughs> like no one. My around. dad was very that next to me, and I was like. Shut up, Dave. <laughs> I, I, I was proper enjoying watching him myself. Like, I mean, it was keeping me on the edge of my seat. Like, I didn't know what was going to yeah. happen next. But you know, it, it's, it's like Ed, Edison's so entertaining to watch. And obviously, Stefan's come from the same kind of like uh, coaching over at, at Man City, and they want him to be a similar kind of player. It's it, it's fun to watch, although. Like I said, it, it does add an element of danger and like a, a certain thrill to us. It does, doesn't it? It does. And like that's what we pay £36 a game for to, to watch moments <laughs> like that. Uh anyway, let's move on to podcast questions. Uh because each week you get the chance to ask us a question via Twitter, email the breakdown at hotmail.com or join our telegram chat with over 300 Borough fans talking anything but Borough. Um but first question is from Liv and she says, How do you guys feel about us not having a manager yet? And KP's also asked a similar question, um, so I'll combine it and says, what kind of manager 
are we actually looking for? Dana, do you want to have this one first? Yeah, I think the first question, um, I actually feel sorry for Leo because I think it's throwing him under the bus massively. You know, this team are really kind of just continuing their performance from when Wilder was here and the end of his reign. And Leo's in this position now where, let's be honest, I think it's incredibly likely that he will not get the job. So he's holding the fort a little bit. And I think a lot of the time when you see these poor performances, you always want someone to blame. And at the moment, there's a lot of criticisms of Steve Gibson. But I think it's maybe putting Leon in a bit of a vulnerable posi- vulnerable position as well because he's such a, a well-liked figure at this football club and quite rightly so, you know, what he's been through. You can't help but mm. but feel connected to him. And I just feel sorry for him that he's, he's managing this Middlesbrough team because they're just so poor. Um, you know, he said in the game, uh, in the interview after the game that, you work on these set piece situations only for them to look like they haven't basically, even though they have, it's like their brains just fall through their asses whenever <laughs> gets, <laughs> whenever there's a set piece against us. And I mean, let's be honest, some of our players are thick at the moment. Let's be real. Um, the way that they're performing, it's ridiculous, but um, Hey, what, how am I, who am I to say that? But yeah, I mean, it, I feel sorry for him, to be honest. I don't like the fact that we haven't brought in a manager yet, but patience, I think, is key. And, and I would rather us be patient and get the right manager than jump into another one like we did with Tony Pulis, for example, and <laughs> have him on speed dial and be like, hi, Steve, do you want to take the job? Like, I'd rather not, not do that. So, yeah, and I think what we need, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. I don't know what um, Borough are looking for because Borough haven't really, What what is Borough's direction? I don't know. Yeah. Hi, Steve. Uh, also, do you have any milk? Um, <laughs> I can give you a back tomorrow. It's all right. You love it up here. It's very much like South Wales. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What type, What kind of manager are we looking out for then, Tom? Not a Tony Pulis, I guess? Pro- I, I hope not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it needs to be someone who, who fits that same, same kind of style. Um, I think... From from the looks of it, although we've had no kind of like official communication of this is what we're trying to go for, our model now looks like we're trying to set up to to be very similar to kind of like um, you know Brentford or Norwich, where you can just bring a new manager in who plays that system straight away, and you don't have a, a big overhaul of players. That'd be great. So a manager who plays that same formation, as I mentioned earlier, like a Rob Edwards, uh, who can make a few tweaks to it. Um, Obviously, has that ability to to lift the players, but also uh, has the tactical ability to kind of drill them into the, in, uh, what is required of them in that formation would be would be great. I think um, I think long term that, that's really what we need. Okay, then. Well, the next question is from Simon. He says, "Is Steve Gibson right to want our uh, right to want some of our back, present backroom staff to be kept on when a new manager comes in?" Or should the new guy have a final say on who his backroom staff are? Uh, Tom, well, I'll stick with you. What do you think? Again, I think keeping some of those backroom staff on, it does kind of fit that model. You know, it, it's uh, people uh, the players are already familiar with, people who are already familiar with that sort of philosophy. And you'd hope mm-hmm. that, that long-term they can... Uh, some of those coaches could even uh, go on to become managers uh, or head coaches when someone leaves. I mean, you know, 
pretty sure Brentford have done that a couple of times. And uh, I'm not sure about Norwich off, off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure uh, one Thomas Frank, one of the assistants at uh, at Brentford before yeah, he got right. the job. So I, I do think um, the new head coach needs some sort of saying who he brings in, um, you know, as in like an assistant or uh, any other coaches that he really wants to work with. But, you know, the coaches that we have coming through at the moment, and I think especially if we're playing that same style of football all the way through, uh, you know, Catamore leading the under-18s, there's a progression route for him to eventually become one of the coaches of the first team and maybe take over at some point in the future. Um, I know there was kind of like a lot of backlash this week where he was being suggested as a, as a serious candidate. And being honest, I wouldn't want him right now, but I think, as I said, there's, there's a progression route for him there. And maybe in a few years, once he's he's been around um, that coaching setup a lot more, um, you know, he's he's done more in terms of management, maybe moving up to like the under twenty threes and into the first team. He might be ready at that point to take over, and then you know we've got the right sort of situation for internal candidates at that point as well. Okay, on the next question, it's from Chris. He says, "Should we accept uh, we need big changes, not only at managerial level or within the squad, a new long-term strategy that elevates us up to pole position um, in, a, in a sustainable way is is needed? This isn't easy, but throwing money into an endless pit senselessly is not the answer. Um, Dana, should we accept that it's not only managerial level; it's it's also above? I think it is. Yeah." Um... Again, it's just the lack of communication. We won't fully know, will we? And even with communication, I don't think we'll fully know because they're not going to tell us the ins and outs of the football club, are they? But a little bit of insight would would help um, because at the moment, I think fans are restless and that restlessness will just grow. So, yeah, it uh, this isn't just a managerial problem. I think we've seen that we've had proven managers. We've had proven managers with a bit more uh, sort of presentness about them. Chris Wilder, we've had managers that are proven with that experience behind them, Tony Pulis, Neil Warner. We've had project managers in Gary Monk. We've given Jonathan Woodgate his first taste of managerial um, experience. Um, first experience of managerial experience. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, it did. <laughs> I got there in the end. But we've had a whole range of managers. Um, I think this is a problem that maybe. As as my good friend Flo said, the fish always thinks from the head. So, well, I could, I could, that's like a kind of like a Gandhi, you know, like the, the, the Gandhi meme. But I could I could put that on there. That, that was, <laughs> I know exactly I, what you mean. Yes, yeah. <laughs> definitely up there. We've never backed the early kickoff like <laughs> <laughs> Wise words, wise words. Um, another. Another person who's very wise is Tom Muldowney, and he says, uh, have the last two poor results and performances moved the goalposts in terms of what we need as a new head coach? For example, is it too big of a risk now to look for a first-time manager and we need an experienced head to stay in the ship? Danny, you were just alluding to a lot of it there um, around like what we've had every type of manager. So, uh, I mean, for me, I don't think it does change anything uh, at all I think we still need someone who was more of a development coach who was like in terms of like he was going to develop these players in more of confidence someone who was very like very high in EQ and just trying to really understand these players because I feel like our confidence is so short and it's so uh, it's so easy to break I think with football it's it obviously the it's inches in terms of success and failure and then but for, for Bora like we every time we have that failure it just seems like 
our confidence just falls through the floor straight away. And I just feel like we need someone who is a bit more headstrong in that in in that front to try and turn results around. Because there was a part of last season where we looked invincible at times, but we're just so fragile um, mentally. I just think we need someone now who's going to be that type manager who's going to develop these players, not just on the pitch but off it as well. Um, but that could come from an experienced manager. But I just think that a development coach probably need. What do you guys think? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. No, 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 fair enough then. I'll just, yes. Uh... <laughs> I, I didn't know which of us was going first. <laughs> you both, you both, both so polite. You didn't want to go first. It's just... All right, Tom, do you want to go first? <laughs> and do you want to pass, do you want to pass the, the teddy over to Dana afterwards? <laughs> the talking teddy, yeah. Um, no, I, I feel like a development coach is, is what we need uh, at the moment. I think, it, like, like I said, we don't know what the, um, the long-term vision is. We can only kind of guess from from what we've heard in terms of the recruitment strategy and uh, what what we're trying to kind of do on the pitch as well. I think in terms of like the players that we've got at our disposal, um, we need someone who can develop them. I don't think, you know, I mean, Wilder is saying, well, we're saying that they're force and hoppy development strikers. And to that, I understand it at some extent because the development strikers in in the fact that in three years' time we should be able to sell them on for you know four or five times what we paid for them if they develop properly. It doesn't mean that they can't come in make, make an impact now. So I think whoever does come in, they need to be breeding the kind of right sort of environment to, for these players to grow in. Um, to, in, in order to to kind of do that, and you know, in in a couple of years' time, we we sell on these players for a profit and then it, it does become more and more like that Brentford Brentford model where you're, you're making a, a ton of profit off players and then you can bring in similar molds of players for cheaper and then uh you know long term you get to the Premier League and that's what that's what every club's aiming for so it, it's going to be a coach who can who can do that um instant results are also uh, important in in my opinion, um, just because of where we find ourselves in the league at the moment. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think we're looking for someone who can come in, make an instant impact. As I said earlier, in terms of like lifting the players as well. Um, but then longer term, you need that that type of coach who's who's going to start off that type of environment to to really build on on what we have and and being able to kind of like sell on down the line. 
Okay then, uh, Dana, I'll come to you, to you in a second because there was, we have a, a question and a quote from Board Memories and they say, does Steve Gibson intend to actually explain what his plans are for our football club at some point or are we just the peasants that spend money uh, we don't have on supporting a team that cons- concedes goals that you expect to see in an under-8s game? Um, <laughs> so obviously strong words, but are you actually surprised in that like, we're not hearing from the club at all at the moment? No, no. Sadly, not surprised at all. It just seems like that's the go-to strategy to just leave it and let the football do the talking. But the football's doing the talking now, and it's just diarrhea, isn't it? So it's not, it's not great. I think clarity would be nice, but I don't, I'm not surprised that that we haven't got it. Hmm. I, to be honest, I, I would, I would love for us to, to come out and just have that open conversation. And it's, I don't want something that's produced by Borough. I want something that's produced like independently because I feel like it's very difficult to like really understand where we're actually going. Yes, we've got ahead of football in, but we don't know what his vision is. Or is he even actually getting a say in, in this? Mm. Because if he's not, then he's probably going to walk and rightly so. You know, we don't really know where Gibson is in terms of what does he want to achieve now? Does he want to be a club that's a bit of a yo-yo club? And that's fine. Just if you want to be one, then we'll be that type of club. That's fine. We get it. Um, or do we want to actually have a vision in terms of we just want to be a sustainable football club that brings people through um, sells one for profit? Yes, we might hit the promotion once or twice, but most of the time we're just going to stick around the second division and that's fine. Whatever. I just want that clarity. Do you know what I mean? I just don't, well, I don't want to get... Everyone so and this it might say, Oh, well, yeah, it might not sell season tickets. I think what sells season tickets is fans being connected with a football club and they're not and I feel like at this moment they're not connected anymore. And there's some unbelievable people that work at the club. Like unbelievable people. But I feel like their voices might not even be getting heard either in terms of what they want to what they want to achieve either. So it's a bit frustrating across the board. I think their fans just as much as we are and everyone wants that opinion. And everyone wants that opinion from from the club as well to kind of see where we're going. Because at this moment, I feel like we're a bit of an identity crisis. Um, but Tom, like, are you surprised that we're not hearing anything either? Uh, no, not surprised. Just because it's what I've kind of come to expect. It's yeah. it, it's not often um, in my twenty nine years of of supporting Borough that I feel like we've had. Um, you know, Gibson going on to BBCTs or anything like that. I, yeah, you know, I can I can only remember around one or two occasions. Um, it might not even be recently anymore because all these seasons are just kind of like blending into one in the championship. <laughs> but um, no, I, I think it would be nice, and I think you, you see it at other clubs as well. Um, you know, before he joined here, I listened to a full Norwich podcast with Kieran Scott, um, where he was kind of outlining what he does at the at the club. I think uh, was he head of head of scouting at that point or something mm-hmm. um but that that's the type of thing that i, I feel like we we should be having I, I agree with you johnny it shouldn't be something that is produced by the club because i think um when kieran scott came in it was like a five or six minute interview we got with him and i, I think it, it just leaves more more questions than it answers when when that happens i think it, it does need to be uh, an independent interview, uh, whether that's on BBCTs or or whatever, uh, just sit down for an hour. You know, if if you need to break it up, let Gibson pick a few songs to have, have intervals <laughs> with and stuff like that. <laughs> Bit of Steel River halfway through, but um, 
but uh, just something like that w- would be great, and it would help with with the fans' connection to the club so much. I did think that that was improving uh, under Wilder, to be honest. And I think it it was mainly the football that was doing that. Um, but it, I don't know. Everything about us in in my lifetime kind of seems so closed off, and and you see things very different at uh, at other clubs as well. Mm. Do you think Bora are in a bit of identity, identity crisis, Dana? Yeah, I said this after after the game on BBC Tees. I mean, as I said, the managers that we've gone through, it's always a sort of younger, more progressive manager than the repair man in in Pulis and uh, and Warnock. I think Bora need to just find their place. And you said, Johnny, if that is being a Yo-Yo club, so be it. If that's being competitive in the Championship and trying to get into the Premier League, so be it. If that's sort of consolidating our place in this division and developing internally, so be it. But we need to find our place and we need to stick with it because far too many times have we appointed a manager and really sold a vision of, um, you know, a, a really good progressive project. And then as soon as things go wrong, we hit the panic button. And I will say that in terms of man- managers, we were right to sack Gary Monk. We were right to sack Tony Pulis. We were right to sack um, Woodgate. And that's fine. But that whole golden thread thing, and I know that this is probably another quote that's used to be um, as a stick to beat the club with, but it's used as a stick to beat the club with because we literally just abandoned it. Mm-hmm. And it was so. First hurdle. Mm. Yeah, the first hurdle. It was great to hear that from uh, Woodgate and Bevington and whoever else was in that press conference. It was brilliant. It was everything we wanted to hear. But where is that now? Is that actually, I mean, I'm saying that we abandoned it. It might even still be there, but we just don't know because there's no clarity and no communication. I said on last podcast, Borough don't need to open a a desk drawer of dirty secrets. We don't want to hear that. I mean, it's nice for, you know, getting the popcorn out and seeing what happened under Wilder. But we don't need to hear that. It's just that what is Middlesbrough Football Club? What do we want to do this season? What do we want to do going forward? I would love to hear from Kieran Scott as well because we were supposed to get an interview with him and uh, Liam Wilson from uh, Middlesbrough Supporters Forum said that that unfortunately just didn't really materialise in the way that it wanted to be materialised. It would be brilliant to have Kieran Scott on this podcast or on another podcast or on BBC T's. You know, let us hear it. You know, we're not going to... This isn't us throwing tomatoes and things at the people at the top of the football club we just want to know we just want to understand is that communication um there's a lot of restlessness right now uh, mm. when a club is not performing not the team this is the club not performing for the best part of but since we got relegated in 2017 questions will be asked and those questions will be moved from the playing performance to the club's performance and if those questions are met with silence that restlessness will grow because those questions will grow and to stop that, or maybe not stop that, but to sort of, I don't know, block the, the flood, I guess, of this restlessness a little bit and calm it down. It would be great to hear from somebody. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree with you as well. Um, I think with results, like they only mask problems um, for a short period of time. I think football is such a, a emotional game. It's it's up and, it's up and down. You know, you're at the top of the world when you win, you're at the bottom <laughs> when you get beat. And the one thing that should be stable is the direction and have that utopia view of just, this is where we want to be. This is where we want to go. We're going to go there. And just regardless of the pain that might 
we might suffer in like the first couple of months. That's what we're going to try and achieve. And if that's like going to have a development coach from who gets like Tommy was saying earlier, say if we got Rod Edwards in, Rod Edwards leaves, his assistant takes charge, then say Catwall takes charge, and there's just like a recurring like theme that we're going to be doing. It's like seamless. Seamless, yeah. Like everyone has a plan. I feel like the plan's just not there, and it's like they were saying. I'm not like I don't. I'm not throwing. Yeah, they said I'm not throwing tomatoes at the club. I just want to understand like what are we trying to achieve? What we're we trying to do? Because I, from speaking around a, a few people yesterday, no one has a clue what's going on. They're just like I'm paying thirty six quid to go and watch us get. Well, maybe get beat, but then we also have a manager. I've seen Leo who loves the club, but like he's, we all know really realistically he's not going to be the manager much longer. Um, but we don't have a clue who we're going to try and hire. We don't have a clue which, to be fair, we're all keep behind closed doors. That's, that's perfectly fine. But it's like the ident- identity side of things, we just need to maintain and understand. And yes, this head of football has been in for a year now. That's fine. And stuff takes time to progress behind the scenes but if you explain what you're trying to do improve what you're trying to do or even come out maybe two or three times a year and to say look we're sticking this plan we're doing this so be it fine but just don't go missing you know what i mean but i mean like open invitation really isn't it like if if steve gibson wants to come on the podcast come on and then chat about borrow do it and then kieran scott's exactly the same come and do it like what we've got like five to six thousand listeners every week like i'm sure pretty i think i'm pretty sure everyone wants to listen to them speak and to speak very openly and not be produced and just see what they're feeling because that's kind of what fans want <laughs> and we probably we'll pay enough money to, to kind of really get that to be honest because every other every other club does it i think every every podcast i've spoke to they've had a big senior person on as well we haven't or they just don't speak and it, i think it's really frustrating for every fan but should we look should we look ahead to to wigan because um, I feel like we Let's could talk about this all day because <laughs> we on Wednesday we got the DW Stadium uh, with the first name Richardson's Latics. So to get some insight, uh, we spoke to Barry from the Progress with Unity Latics podcast to get some insight. Barry, how's it going? How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Uh, enjoying life. How are you? How are you, Johnny? Uh, could be better. Could be better. Uh, I think I know we've spoke uh, earlier today, but yeah, it could have been better. I think I'm a much better mood now than what I was probably yesterday. Uh, but it, it's uh, getting there. I'd still saying living the dream, living the dream. But Barry, talk to me about Wigan this season because it looks like you, you're doing really well in the championship so far. Liam Richardson has been pulling the strings uh, over the last year or two. Yeah, it's it's just brilliant times. Uh... Considering where we've come from, and that's that's the main thing. I mean, we, we was sort of an established championship club until administration hits, and and then everybody knows what happens. You get twelve points deducted, uh, and we find ourselves getting relegated on the last day of the season, having lost just one game since February. You know, so uh, and 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 that last game of the season was at the end of July. Because if you remember, during the call, I mean, that was totally weird. Um, uh, so we went into administration, uh, everybody left, Liam Richardson stayed, did a brilliant job through the admin period, um, kept kept the club together, kept the, the team together the best he could. But the main thing was he saved us from getting relegated to League Two, um, which was an amazing achievement, considering we were playing mainly under-18s and a couple of journeymen. Uh, and then in the summer, last summer, he... he recruited brilliantly with only three players under contract so we had to bring a full squad in uh the main um 
his main achievement, though, was bringing his coaches in, Rob Kelly and James Beatty, and they've been fantastic. They've been a fantastic coaching team. Um, we won League One last season, came up as champions, and we've just carried on. I think most Athletics fans last season would have taken mid-table. It was quite obvious after the second game we beat Rotherham at home that we were going to be challenging at the top because we looked special. We looked like a special team. The characters were there. Um, and basically, we've got the same uh, starting eleven that we had last season. I mean, yesterday we played Sunderland. We lost at, up at Sunderland. But in that game, there was only one player uh, in the starting eleven who wasn't with us last season. And that was Nathan Broadhead. Everybody else who started that game was with us again after last season. Uh, and that's what Richardson likes. He likes continuity. He likes keeping fair for players. He is uh, very loyal to to his players, and, and they're loyal to him. And it's just brilliant at the moment. Um, people often ask me, what do I think of Liam Richardson? And I always say, for me, he's got a job for life at Wigan Athletic, what he's done. Um, like I said, when everybody left, he stayed. He led from the front. He'd, he was offered jobs. He turned them down. He didn't know if he was going to have a job. At one stage, it looked like the club were going to the wall, uh, but he still stayed. Uh, I only saw him down once, and that was after a 5 0 home defeat to Hull City. He, he lost his rag a little bit. But that, in... in Two and a half seasons, three seasons nearly. That's the only time I've seen him lose it. Uh, and the amount of pressure he must have been under at that time. Um, br- brilliant. He's a great coach. He's a great tactician. He's very astute. Um, I'm just pleased we've got him. Uh, we, not only is he great on the football field, he's great on the training pitch. I mean, everybody's aware what happened to Charlie, Charlie White last season. Who was the first person on the scene giving CPR? Liam Richardson. He's so highly regarded at Wigan Athletic. The South Stand is named is now named the Leon Richardson Stand. We've got a stand named wow. manager, an incumbent manager. I, I was trying to think the other day, uh, any other club in in you know in, in England got that. The only one I could think of was possibly the Sir Alex Ferguson Stand at Manchester United yeah. towards the end of his reign, though. You know, so I mean. Wow. This is what we think of him. So, yeah, he's, I mean, you get the idea. So, I mean, we lost against Sunderland, so people were saying Richardson's clueless, you know. But that comes with the territory, don't it? Uh, so, 99% of Wigan Athletic supporters uh, hold him in such high esteem. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, you're saying he's brilliant, but how has he got the best out of this Wigan side? How is he currently setting up and what does he tend to do with his side? This, we set up one or two ways. We either go 4 2 3 1, or yeah. we go three at the back with wing backs, two midfielders, two behind the, the central striker. So we either go one of those two ways. The last two games we've gone with the three at the back and played wing backs. Mm. Um, our home game against Blackburn, it was an absolute treat. Uh, we, they had three attempts and none on target. We, we snuffled out the threat of them, and they've got that uh, Brereton Diaz up front, and they've got um, Sam Gallagher as well, and, and they never got a sniff. Um, then we went, went to Sunderland, and we was we were quite well there to, to a degree, um, but I think that uh, Patrick Roberts is a quality player for Sunderland, and, and he was cutting his side quite but, but they weren't getting anything on target. We went a goal up, and um, I just thought it was another away win coming, but they, they did us with two deep crosses um, yesterday, uh, 
But it's unlikely to get caught out with those deep crosses. It was a bit of a strange game, really, that one. I think Sunderland are a bogey side for us. They've beaten us the last four times we've played them. The only, In fact, the only time we've beaten them, in, I think, in the last 10 years is when we was in administration, believe it or not. We did the double that season. So it's a very weird relationship between us and Sunderland. But but that's how he, he sets us up. Very hard-working team. We like to press high. Um Centre forward will run his socks off for 60 minutes, whoever he plays. He might play Charlie White, he might play Josh McGuinness, whichever one plays, starts the game, will come off after an hour and the other one comes on. Um, we press high, we, we like knocking the ball about at the back. So we like once we get possession, we like it. Um, we do it on the break quickly, but not often. So the, we seem to pick our moments as to when we're going to do that counter-attack. I mean, you, there's many a time I've been in the stands thinking... Come on, let's let's move, let's yeah. move, and and they've not been they've been like keeping possession, you know. And then another time you think, oh, don't knock that ball there, and up it goes, and, and we end up scoring a goal off it, you know. So, I mean, they play to a plan. They know exactly what they're doing. Uh, the players know the manager, what he wants from. They all know the roles, and um, it do, it doesn't work every week, you know. Mm-hmm. We've come up a division, we've come up against quality teams, uh, but it's doing all right so far this season for me. Um, we were. I, I, I'd expect us to be. Yeah, I think the job he, the job he's doing, especially with the squad that you've got, um, this may, people might say it's it's not championship quality, but I think you've kind of proven the doubt was wrong and and starting to really progress this season. And in terms of like the star players that you've got, Borough fans will know Charlie White. You know, he came through the Borough Academy and then got shipped out uh, just pretty much straight away. Thought you know you're not going to make it. See you later. Um, but he had has been off for a while and came back obviously with his, with his heart uh, issue but who should we be looking out for on Wednesday night who's going to cause Borough all of the problems and probably score the winner against us well, if I start at the back with uh, we've got yeah. a centre half called, called Jack Watmore and we're going to run a free yeah. transfer from Portsmouth and last season he was known as the Bobby Moore of League One absolutely <laughs> he, he's a That's he's close. a Beautiful player. He's only 25. He's blonde hair like Bobby Miller. Uh, he, he, he never seems to have to make a, t- a, a challenge. He reads the game so well. He takes the ball off the st- opponent's feet. You know, and he just nicks it off the feet. Interceptions. He's like a Rolls-Royce defender. He's, um, I can't. I still can't believe we got him for free. Uh, to be honest with you, I think there'll be at the end of the season, there'll be clubs coming in for him. He's, mm. he's, he's just pure class. Pure class. Um Nathan Broad's always a danger. Um, he's a, he's a, when he shoots, he hits the target, and that's what you want from your strikers. Um, yeah. He's already got two goals, even though he's only started four games. He's got two goals already. Uh, both of them very important goals as well. Both of them in 1-0 wins. So he, he scores those goals. Um, Calton Wang, who's personally my favourite player at the moment, he's out injured. He's got an ankle injury. He's come through the academy. Um Really good player, but he's not going to be playing. Uh, with a, a young lad, <coughs> Tello Asgard, he's uh, Norwegian descent. He's a Scouser, but he's uh, he plays for Norway under 20s. Um, his mum and dad are a part of the Liverpool Philharmonic Orchestra, so that's why they're, okay. all, they're Makes Norwegian. Sense. Yeah, so he's been with us since he was 13, uh, and he's we've played him in our admin season as a 17 year old. He's shot up. He's 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 massive now. He's, he's got weight on. He's uh, he come on yesterday. He's been he started a few games already this season. He's scored for us as well. Um, 
what a talent he is. He's going. He's one of those that's going to go all the way. Beautiful feet, and I don't mean like he's got a nice, you know, the nice looking feet. I mean, yeah, uh, like pedicures, you know, again, like feet, like feet massages, that that beautiful yeah. type of feet. He's like, oh, yeah, okay. No, he's uh, he's just so <laughs> so good on the ball, um, and and he's, he scores the spectacular goals as well. So, I, I, if I was going to pick out a goal scorer, I'd pick either. Um, Tell us, or, or Broadhead, to be honest with you. I'll pick one of those two in a 1 0 win. <laughs> one, I, I, to be fair, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a 1 0 win. I mean, so you're going to go off that with your prediction then, 1 0 win to, to Wigan? Yeah, I think I think that's how yeah. uh, I see it. I know, I know your away form is uh, something to be desired, isn't it? <laughs> you know, that's why that's uh, why I'm not talking about it. That's why I'm not talking yeah. about it. <laughs> Having said that, our own form. I mean, we last week we won our first home game of the season, and we've we've lost five one to Burnley, and we've lost three one to um, Cardiff City, and that could have been five one as well. So we've yeah. took a couple of pastings at home. Uh, and, and I don't know what I don't know why I don't know what that is apart from the fact that uh, Burnley were fantastic when they played us but Cardiff weren't and they still could so we're very strange at home away we were really good but at home we're strange so I, even though I've said 1-0 I'm, I'm still I wouldn't uh, put put my mortgage on it at all I wouldn't put any money on it I was going to say I wouldn't either we're, we're bored at the moment we like going 2-0 down before we start playing so um, it's uh, it could be anything I think on Wednesday night but one final question for you Barry where can people find the, the Progress for Unity podcast and it is a really good show but where can people find your whereabouts are you? The best place to find us is on uh, Twitter at PWPodcast yep. and uh, there'll be uh, a better preview on there and before, before we do finish there's one thing I need to mention Ashley Fletcher. Yes, Ashley Fletcher, yeah. Who was absolutely electric for Middlesbrough, I thought. He was brilliant. And we've got him on, on loan from Watford. And uh, to say he's not up to speed Oops. would be, it, it's a bit of an understatement. He uh, looks like he's had no, no pre-season whatsoever. So yeah. uh, he's been coming on as a late sub in games. So I'm just, not sure. Just, I was going to say, just watch the highlight reel of Ashley Fletcher because he scored some absolute worldies for us. Um, but he played for Borough at a time where we were just horrendous. So um, I don't think he got the rub of the green probably at Borough, but, you know, I'm like, I think he went to the USA last year, I think, right? And mm-hmm. then he's came, he's came to Wigan now. So um, I hope he does well. But now that you've said that, and I forgot he was playing for uh, Wigan. So he's guaranteed 89th minute Ashley Fletcher Wigan 2 Mills were 1 uh, is going to be the my prediction from now on uh, but Barry thank you so so much for coming on mate I really appreciate your time and I absolutely love that I feel like I could speak to you for hours uh, but I feel like our, my, our listeners would be like what's happened to this show which came like a Wigan preview as well as a podcast as well so um, but mate thank you so much thank you so so much uh, I really appreciate all your time there thank you Johnny really love speaking to you and uh can you ask some of your fans to bring some palmos down for us Wiganers as well? I'll put a tweet out after this, uh, and we'll we'll see if we can get you a palmo for Wednesday. Thank you very much uh, for that, Barry. And I must say, Barry is such a lovely human being, um, and I appreciate his time so much. And the Progress Unity podcast as well. It's going to be in the our links uh, this podcast uh, below. But guys, what are your predictions uh, for Wednesday night? Because I feel like Ashley Fletcher nailed on to score the winner um, now. So, Dana, what's your what's your prediction? You're forgetting about Charlie White completely. But um, yeah, yeah, the second worst home team against the second worst away team. Uh, Wigan have conceded 11 goals uh, at home, which is 
worse than Dorney by Hull, um, who have conceded more than that. So, yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. I don't think we're going to win. I think that's probably the prediction I'm going to land on. But score-wise, I have no idea. I said 2-2 last week, and that nearly came true. You know what? I'm going to say 2-2 again. 2-2 for doing it. Tom, what are you going to go for? I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Uh, I'm thinking we'll be 1-0 up right in, up until like the last five minutes and then it'll be it's written that Ashley Fletcher's going to score um, <laughs> and, and robbers of the three points. So, yeah, I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. But 1-1, one, one, okay. Um, I'll go... I'm going to stick with my prediction where I said Barry. I'm going to go 2-1 Wigan. Um, either Fletcher or Wake to score. No, I think it's just natural that one of them uh does us over but uh guys thank you very much uh for joining me as always and for the listeners and the viewers thank you very much for watching us and listening to us uh but halloween is a couple of weeks away but borough are trying to give everyone a fright or the fans just just number it all now this has been the borough breakdown podcast and that was our emotional breakdown in a podcast up the borough breakdown